You used to tell me all the time, be like a duck. Hello, and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicky, I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hi, Mom. How's it going today? Hello, Ingrid. It's going well. Good. We're having another balmy California day, 91 degrees. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's not freezing here, but it's colder than that. It's a beautiful fall day here. Yes. Do you see colors on the leaves yet in Central Park? Oh, I didn't look. I I guess there weren't any really noticeable ones. I walked on the edge of the park. Last year, I went through the entire year without ever seeing fall leaves, which is just a travesty because I live here. There must be some there. I'm wondering if there's more like fir trees right around the edges than uh, deciduous trees, but go look for those colors. Okay. Okay, I will. <laughs> well, we always um, bring topics up here that we find in our regular lives that come up, um, which is something that I love about this podcast. And something came up this week with you, Mama, that helped uh, sort of bring to light something rather big in our lives growing up which I think is probably big in most lives, which is bullying. Yes, bullying. When people are made to feel small or coerced to do things they wouldn't do or intending to intimidate. Oh, that's a good definition. Yeah, wow. It feels like you read that, but you didn't. That was great. I I did. I just looked it up. (laughs) Oh, mom, it was so intact and succinct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exactly what it is. I think everyone gets bullied. And it's um, a little funny, perhaps, to talk about it as adults. Because when we think of bullying, it's like, oh, kid bullying. And I don't know how old you are as listeners and where you are in your mom and daughter relationship. But what I think we might discover is just that, first of all, I'm learning in my job that bullying still happens as an adult. Mm. But for the most part, um, I don't know, I think it might be fun to to talk through our stories of bullying because everyone has them and maybe it'll just shed some light on what we're learning about ourselves. I'm kind of wondering if adult bullying shifts a little bit to uh, gossip. Oh, shifts? I think that's what it is when you're little too. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I experience that with different people. And it's kind of a slide into it. You don't really notice it. You're like, you first find yourself talking about someone else to a third party and you're uh, concerned right. <laughs> about them. But then it becomes gossipy because it's nothing edifying. It's not going to build them up. It's just sharing a story and... Your mouth is just running off. Well, there were there was years when I was like, but no, I've never been bullied because I recognized that a lot of things that I that I experienced, especially through like elementary and middle school, may not have been conscious. You know, like the what you see in movies is like the one person that's like vindictive and like intentionally bullying. Hmm. But I think most bullying, as you're saying, does happen like that. And all of a sudden people are just like acting out of emotions or out of um, their own, like in their own thoughts and revolving around themselves and it hurts other people. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can discount it. Yeah. 
they I I think that people don't realize always how they're feeling, but they they start to feel small themselves or inadequate or inferior, and then right. um, they get offended by other people and start to talk talk about them more. So you you talked to you reminded me of this topic the other day because you talked to another young mom who was having a sort of the, the, having this happen with her young girl, right? And it reminded you of me or something? Yeah, she was describing her daughter who is about seven. Um, so first grade. And um, she's real, she sounds guileless. I've, I've only heard her described, but guileless and innocent and charming and definitely not sarcastic. Okay, cool. Yes. Well, as because <laughs> I know that you're also describing me because you said like she reminds me a lot of you growing up. There was no sarcasm. There was like I'm not like the witty quippy person. Right. So that, that that's kind of what I was thinking, which is a little bit. I mean, um, it's an exceptional child. It goes along with your dyslexia that we kind of worked on a lot a lot when you yes. were yes. But that you're a little maybe I'll tell that story. You're in a slower processing but on the other hand it makes you guileless it makes you more innocent and you kind of face value you this is what you mm-hmm. get yeah 100 percent. i believe what i see in here so this little girl um had had people be mean to her in her kindergarten class oh um one of not she's not in kindergarten anymore she's in first or second grade um she had someone that kind of looked down on her and said, you are not going to this um, special gate test right now because you're in the special program, the special education program, which is really harsh. That's super extreme. Um, And then that leads to feeling shameful and hiding and thinking I'm not enough and all that kind of stuff. Um, And that reminded me of you when you were in kindergarten, you described a girl, you you told me about a girl who had, um, you said, mom, I told her she had green eyes and she looked at me and kind of said, no, I have brown eyes. And she got mad at me. And you didn't even really had the words for all of her behavior. But um, it was one of those moments where it kind of stuck in my stomach like a sucker punch. And it's just like, oh, those kinds of things make a mom mad because you're just like, what? My child would never say anything unkind. And I'm sure there is. Because you're reading between the lines, right? Like what would have been mean about what she said? (laughs) Well, you characterized it um, as that she was mad at you. And um, okay. I'm not sure that you... S- like belittling? Like, how dumb are you? It's yeah. not my eye color? Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Whatever you said, you didn't have a lot of language for it because it hadn't happened before, but then you... Yeah. You, yeah. Um, I, I, you talked about it more than once, so that's also... Oh, that's a good... How, how yeah, I knew. that's a good flag. Yeah. Young moms. How I knew that it was on <laughs> your own. Remember what they say more than once? Right. Yeah, because you didn't have a lot of language for it, but you talked about it more than once. And then um, you were a little, I think you were not really happy about going back to school. Oh, oh, I was scared. Yeah. Or just nervous. And so um, when I described that to this mom and 
Um, but I, I told, told you at the time when you were in kindergarten, if you can continue to be kind to this girl, then, then she will turn around and, and be kind to you and be grateful to you in return. Mm-hmm. Years from now, she'll remember you as the girl who was kind. And that really happened because by the time you were a senior in high school, she, that girl considered you one of her best friends. It might take 12 years, people. <laughs> oh, when I told this mom that story, she got tears in her eyes. And because I think it struck such a core to her, too, that her daughter is so kind and she's guileless and innocent and um, living life the way she is. And then comes along somebody and says something mean and we want to go and rescue you. And yet that's not our job because you're going to face people like that in the world. Right. But it is so, so hard. Well, and when bullying happens that young, it is, this is not the first time that I've noticed this, that there's like a deeper experience actually with you than with me in the long run. Because Mm. I don't remember that story. I was five, you know, like I remember bullying, I, the, I had one big year of like more consistent bullying for me, that was fifth grade which I remember, but I don't remember the really young years. And I actually remember when I started getting close with that girl in like seventh grade, we started becoming like really close friends and hanging out all the time. And I remember you telling me that story as a kindergartner and being like, man, she used to be really mean to you. And I was like, really? <laughs> oh, that's weird. You know, because I like didn't, even... but for you that, that ended up being a bigger hurdle later to remind yourself that she was that not that person really anymore. Important thing to differentiate yeah because I had all the years of history of my life and memories of my experiences and time when I felt less than coming into your experience and it was new to you so that is uh, an admonition and an encouragement to uh, keep Try to keep your history separate yeah. and di- differentiate, uh, empathize, but differentiate from your child. Uh, yeah, and- because I think I feel like there's maybe a moment later when I was older than hanging out with her, where like you you didn't trust her, but I did because you knew that mm. you know that I had been hurt by her before, but I didn't remember that. But it worked out. I mean, she's a good, she's a great person. <laughs> we all. Yeah. But then you started getting bullied more when you were in fifth grade. So you were 10. Yeah, that was the deeper part that I remember of bullying. Um, although I, I mentioned dyslexia before, so I just don't want to forget that I said that. Have we talked about my dyslexia on this podcast before? I'll try not, to remember. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit, not a lot. Uh, newsflash, I have dyslexia. <laughs> That's the story. But what's important about that in this story, because this other girl that you, whose mom you talked to also has dyslexia, is that you chose not to tell me that growing up. Mm, I didn't label it. Which may be a podcast in its own. Like, what do you tell your child and what don't you and whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, because like I have, I have friends that have dyslexia and knew that all their lives. Um, and so like two things happened that meant they got like longer time to take tests and things 
like within the school system, which perhaps would have been helpful for me. But I, in the long run, am so glad that you didn't tell me I had dyslexia because I never used that as a crutch. Hmm. I never like discounted myself. And hmm. I love reading and I love storytelling. I'm an actor, for goodness sakes. <laughs> so it, I'm so glad that I didn't have that knowledge because I... It, it, I just worked as hard as I did. Like I didn't know that people, other people worked less hard to get where I got. Mm. I just liked books. I just knew I read slowly. But there were moments when I then, because of that, didn't have vocabulary for why things were harder for me. I don't know if that's particularly ha- where my bullying came from, but there there was a component then of my young life growing up where I knew where I was frustrated that I had a hard time at school and didn't feel smart or didn't feel capable Hmm. and couldn't explain it which you knew maybe a little more why like why I had such a hard time with math and I would just be in tears so frustrated because I would flip the numbers all the time and then Hmm. I'd get the wrong answer and I had all the work right but I flipped the number at the end but I don't think anyone ever was mean to me because of academics because I do all mm. my homework. If they were mean to me, it was because I was the girl saying, hello, you didn't give us the quiz. And I was like, shut <laughs> up. Don't tell her that. <laughs> so anyway. That's- but, so that is, it, that is interesting. Um, it's very characteristic. I just finished reading a book called The Power of Different. And the first beginning of it is about dis- the dyslexic brain. And you fit all those categories, and they, why they call it power—the power of of different—is because um, people that have differently wired brains uh, develop strengths and uh, traits mm. that are kind of unique to them. And one trait of a dyslexic person is they are actually just as smart as other people, right? But their brain doesn't conceptualize symbols in the way that a neurotypical brain does so they just are less kind of like abstract meaning that's why when you started reading it didn't mean a lot to you hmm. like you read the word and at the beginning of the page and at the end of the page you come across it and it was a new word to you oh funny <laughs> because your brain your brain your left and your right hemisphere hadn't a- a- attached the meaning of the symbols yet um, and it's just kind of abstract, but the quality that you have developed and that a lot of people have is that you're a really, really hard worker. And when you're interested in something, you're really interested in it and you know it thoroughly. Right. Um, it takes me longer to learn things, but boy, do I know them once I know them. Yeah. You know it way better yeah. than the other person that skims through and reads them. Right. So, I mean, you always got good grades in school, but you had to work hard. I worked really hard. Um, and then you addressed it as soon as you had a struggle. You didn't like let pages and pages slip by. You you addressed the problem quickly. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was a strength that you had. So I don't know if it was. I mean, the, mo- most learning difficulties are a spectrum. Right. So you were kind of light on the spectrum to yeah, where you didn't right. need extra time. True. Um, and some kids are like they really could use extra yeah, time. Yeah. But you you got bullied a lot more in fifth grade. Right, yeah. 
Thank you for letting me have a little bit of a side note, but it does help to sort of color what my childhood was like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think um, maybe we can tell this story of bullying and then talk about how it's shaped our lives forward. Fifth grade was a big year for me. <laughs> it was the year, which we've said before, that I fell in love with acting and musical theater. It was the year that I said, I want to be on Broadway someday. It was a big year. <laughs> um, and a lot of that had to do with my really beloved music teacher who cast me as Belle in Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. in our little fifth grade play. And I know you say like, my little fifth grade play, but she is amazing. And it was a really good production. It was like really good for fifth graders and it was like well budgeted and whatever. Yeah. But as in anything, I think people that are like quarterbacks on the football team or like get any sort of recognition learn that it's a double-edged sword to be recognized for being talented at something or just right in that moment to get the part Uh, because not everyone else likes that. Right, and that's when they they bully you. So you had different kinds of bullies. Yeah, that was um, my first big year of of learning that. The easiest, so the first thing that happened is that immediately the girl that was the runner-up to get Belle had a terrible time Mm -hmm. when the cast list came out. But that was kind of like the easiest part to deal with because it was like the classic Disney Channel every movie trope of the one girl who is bitter and feels overlooked and is fueled by other people, in this case her parents, and Mm -hmm. uh, acts out of that. So she was mean to me. Her parents threw a huge fit. She dropped out of the musical. She dropped out of the school. I don't eventually. think she dropped out that year, but she dropped out of the school eventually. Yeah. 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 It, it like started this like very deep bitterness. Uh, everyone's out re- to get it re- me. It reminds me of High School Musical very much. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> if, High School Musical. If Sharpay had gotten mad and then left and then instead of sabotaging everyone else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and this girl was so talented and beautiful and like she just, it was, you know, well, for whatever reason, I was cast instead, and it was hard. In my mommy brain, the story I tell myself is also, it has a lot more to do with your personality, that you were kind and responsible, and the teacher knew that she could rely on you. Yeah, I think that's true. And I know because I went back to help cast the musicals later with her when I was out of elementary school, mm-hmm. um, that that is a lot of it. I mean, there's so many more things, like, side note, like, there's so many things that go into casting than just, are you good or not? It's it's chemistry, it's how tall are you, it's, in the case of a children's musical, how involved are your parents, and are they good to work with, and are they going to work with you outside of this, and mm-hmm. you and dad are very gracious and the most involved parents, so she knew that I would learn my lines, you know, <laughs> anyway, so, um yeah. You know what, though, that, that having yourself in control, though, we heard a story about that from somebody that apl- um, auditioned for... Um, 
Yeah, for in the Heights. Is that what you're thinking? In the of? Heights. On yes. Broadway. I yes, had an old she voice teacher. There we go, bringing it back. Because she uh, got frustrated at one point in her audition. She was in like a finalist round. Yeah, it was her and, and one other girl. She, she swore. Yeah. When she got frustrated, and then that was it. And they cast they the, other girl the other girl on Broadway. Oof. Whoa, that makes me shudder. Because th- that's probably not something that will happen to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that you you have that, that kindness about your nature all the time, which is a, an excellent quality. Well, you know, that is one, I mean, to maybe just like rush forward to, to now and go back and forth, that I'm not... I think about that a lot, and I pray about it a lot, actually, because I I so endeavor to be a kind person and to be intentional with my friends and such. But I am not exuberant when I first hmm. meet people. I'm not, like, overly bubbly. It, it takes a lot of energy for me to do that. I'm an introvert mm-hmm. in my core, even though I am very, like, comfortable with people. And I often I am read as aloof. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm just always worried that people think I'm aloof when I'm just being quiet. Interesting. Uh, Which, but if they knew me, they would know that I am very kind and I love to listen and I want to have a genuine relationship. But because I want to be genuine, I'm not going to go overboard with you when I just have just met you. So I'm always praying that that's not misread in the audition room. That is that is good. It makes me very nervous. I pray about that. I thought about that before. Like, Lord, help my countenance look welcoming and inviting. Yeah. It's a good prayer to like, pray. Just, no, just please don't misunderstand me. <laughs> You've had people tell you you're aloof? Yeah. Well, mm, I don't know. That's a great question. Am I just telling myself that story? Could be. Because the moment anything comes out of your mouth, your tone of voice is engaged and right, 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 right. open. Oh, you know uh, what, though? Actually, I just thought of my other situation of bullying, and that's where that comes from in me. Uh-oh. This is like therapy per podcast session. <laughs> well, okay, to finish the fifth grade story, that girl was actually really easy for me to deal with because it was easy to talk out. It was the thing that happens on TV all the time. The one girl's mean. Got it. I can differentiate myself from that. I know I didn't do anything. What was harder were all the friends that started taking sides because Mm -hmm. they were closer to me and it was easier for them to say, we need to talk to you about something we're really concerned or like, I don't know, whatever. I don't remember Mm. what these conversations were about in fifth grade, but I remember being like cornered in the coat room a few times and being like asked questions. Who do you like best or who do you would, I don't know. Um, and having the teacher kind of like come rescue me and like usher all the girls away. And that was far more stressful all year. Yeah, because it lingered and it didn't go away. Yeah, and then it didn't become about the musical. It was just a friend. It was just weirdness. Hmm. But that made me, made me think of um, the year I did theater and came to New York. Oh, what happened in that? You were 15 then. 15. Fast forward five years. Yeah, sophomore year. I did a musical theater camp 
in Pasadena that had a, it was like an all summer kind of program that included two weeks in New York. And Mm -hmm. I've never grown so quickly until the acting class I did in New York in college. (laughs) Um, Two weeks. And I I mean, my entire focus and the way I sang changed. And I mean, it was awesome. But I also grew so much because it was so hard. And I think that's where I learned, at least through other people's body language and like side comments that they thought of me as aloof because the director there used to be um a professional act working actress and then she moved from new york to la and started the theater company and she's incredible um in a lot of ways and she knows what she's doing with kids but she didn't really like me and i couldn't ever figure out why and like it's that's hard too because you want to know how to help and how someone to get someone to interact with you. So you ask other people, but then it's all gossip. So the gossip mm-hmm. that I heard was like, oh, well, she knows you're a Christian and she's really prejudiced against that. Or she sees a lot of herself in you and she's jealous of that. Like people had like lots of ideas. Um, oh. But what it came off as is her looking at me and being really hard on me to stay focused all the time. And, um, what she does to get, like, there's lots of different types of coaches and I do way better with positive feedback, but she gave me negative feedback. You're not Hmm. good enough. What are you doing? How, it was a lot of like, how could you not get this step fast enough? Um, why aren't you making enough eye contact with me? who do you think you are looking at yourself in the mirror? You should be looking at me. I'm talking to you. Which starts to sound like you think you're better than you are and you think you're better than everyone else. Hmm. When I was just quiet. <laughs> when I, I don't know. The, for what it, the, Her interactions with me really gave me the message that it was possible for me to be, to seem aloof. And, Hmm. um, like I was better than everyone else when I felt so insecure and was just trying to keep it together, which meant that I had a very serious face as Hmm. I listened to her because I was trying to take her seriously, but perhaps I wasn't reflective listening enough in my face. So it didn't, you could, she couldn't tell that it was coming in. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still getting nervous about it and I'm 23. (laughs) Uh, but I think that's where that, that story started in my head. But now you use that as your um, a prayer point and as a pl- point of a- awareness when you go into auditions. Yeah, I'm aware. Settings, right? I'm definitely aware of it now. And I do. Mm-hmm. I make a make an effort to be a little Disney wide eyed and eye- eyebrows up and like vocal affirmation to the teacher. Yes, I believe I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Well, uh, that reflective listening that that makes sense. It's so interesting because you don't know where their background is or even yeah, what went on right. in their day Never before know. they got up in the day. Uh, coaching young people is is tricky. Yeah. Uh, it, w- and what is your style? And her personality style seemed to be, at the time we described it as, oh, well, she has the kind of a New Yorker coaching personality style. People don't do that so much in, in L.A. Which is true, actually. There's like a... I don't the, like the sort of demanding teacher that gives you a command and tells you to do it and is very sarcastic and um, you have to develop a pretty thick skin. There are teachers like her at Broadway Dance Center that I work with. 
and I appreciate them because it takes me out of my comfort zone and I, mm. it helps me practice that sort of emotional muscle of diff, like, they're not mad at me. There's, this is nothing personal. They do not know me. Uh, mm. But that was my first interaction with that. Yeah. Hmm. So when you were talking to this mom with this little girl, uh, you gave her some encouragement that there were like things that you saw in me as your daughter that hopefully would also happen with this girl that look, we all are bullied, but mm-hmm. I've seen in my daughter the way that she's grown up th- mm-hmm. through that. Yeah. The story that I told in a, you know, it's a proud mommy moment for even me as an adult proud mommy <laughs> <laughs> to uh, share how you were known for being kind and, um, that's kind of one of the distinctive characteristics that I hear about you and, and through the years have heard about you and um, that it, it carried through and that, that people will remember you as a kind person. And the way she was describing her daughter sounded very similar to the way you were when you were quite young. And I said, if she keeps that quality of kindness, if she is known as a kind person, that will take her further than any intellectual pursuit because we have to learn how to get along with people in this world. And and then I said, and Ingrid went out to eat um, a month ago and was so kind to the person behind the register that she was offered a free meal by the time she came to pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool random moment because I could just tell that he was having an awful day and I recognized that instead of expecting him to serve me that was a cool moment so yeah that kind of being other centered being able to look at other people yeah that covers over a lot of bullying if you can let the bullying go and not yes you used to tell me all the time be like a duck who has oils in their feathers Mm. to let the water roll off their back and it can't stick to them and so what are the sort of oils inside of you that allows Hmm. you to let those things roll off what did you think of when you were, what were the oils inside of you that let it roll off? I think for us with our faith, it was, um, the, was like praying was a great tool and the, um, affirmation that I am beautifully and wonderfully made mm-hmm. by a, a sentient deity that, <laughs> a God that is not human. Mm-hmm. Um, and is more powerful than these people. And the the knowledge that I could come home and talk to you about it, that I had parents that loved me and were open to hearing what I had to say and how I experienced life. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that, that kind of positive self-talk mm-hmm. to combat um, untruths. You often had um, an anxious mind at nighttime mm-hmm. and we used to make, make, make a fist. Yes. And turn it up towards heaven and then release it and let it go and let the anxious thoughts go because your mind was racing. And then when you were littler, not as much when you were older and you went to bed later, I I would sing to you at nighttime Mm -hmm. to help you go to sleep. So you gave me tools very early on as a mom to process those sorts of things. And mm-hmm. um, I'll, 
what that did was allow me to keep that guilelessness and sort of mm. innocent outlook without um, it compromising. Oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the the those the mean comments then didn't compromise that sort of uh, disposition, which I think mm-hmm. it could. You know, I could have ended up being a person that was like pretty cynical and and hard because my in, my belief in the the goodness of the world or my wanting to just take things at face value was not met mm-hmm. equally very often. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, by the grace of God, I've been able to keep a lot of that and still look at the world with a a hopeful spirit. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot of things to attribute that to, but one of them is your intentionality to be a safe space for me and to give me tools like um, fists and duck analogies mm-hmm. and a <laughs> uh, listening ear. To go through life, which I do think is true now. Perhaps other moms and daughters, even if they haven't had that in the past, could maybe start practicing that sort of an open communication. Because we do that now, too, when I've had a bad day or had something happen to me. I'll say, Mom, can I just tell you this story? And you are good at affirming the truths in me and helping me recognize what isn't truth. That's good. I'm glad that that can be the case. The um, is in one regard, it's easier now because there's less that I can do. It's easier um, for you when, yeah, it, it, it's easier as as a parent when you were young. I mean, if something was really upsetting, definitely I had it in my mind. Well, I'm gonna go talk to that parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all the super interventionist parent things that we're told not to do, the helicopter parent, because we have to let you have your own experience. Hmm. And so um, to to that regard, it's it's a little bit easier now. And I had to have a lot of self-control, you know, when on the occasion when I did hear about the upsetting things when you were in school yeah. to um, not haul off and do something. What was um, what were your biggest tools to prevent yourself from doing that? Well, I would usually talk to your dad about mm-hmm. it, and we'd talk about how uh, this upsetting thing happened. And um, often I would talk to, I have one other friend who I pray with often who doesn't live near me, so she's kind of like an outside consultant kind of person. Yeah, that's and, nice. And uh, would share it with her, and we'd pray with it. Um, there, I probably were occasions where I I would want to talk to the teacher and I'm not sure how much that could do, how much good that, that could do. I probably in fifth grade said something to your choir director. You did. I remember that. Just so she was aware of it, which was nice because she didn't intervene like crazy, but I do remember her being at least not aware of it, which, which helped me feel comfortable. Yeah, because you still had choir, and that that girl actually pulled out of the musical, right? Yeah, she wasn't in the musical. Oh, but that you had your peers to deal with for the right. rest of the musical, who were all in the cast. Yeah, yeah, that's tricky, and she she has to know that, right? Um, and see how people interact. So get yourself a good but, friend. That community, man. <laughs> that's right. It seems like in every different sort of hard place in life, that's usually the answer. 
Yeah, we need to have we need to have community. Yeah. That's important. People to talk to. Well, thanks mom for creating the community for yourself, really, to be the kind of parent that was open and available without um squashing me or f- fixing things for me. Mm. Because it isn't still isn't easy all the time. But it's nice to have the tools and the relationship. That's right. And now you can turn around and remind me of that. On That's occasion. true. This is a hey. funny transition <laughs> into adulthood. Remember, remember to let those yeah. words slide yeah. off of you. Because I'm still living life and still things come up and happen where I am uncertain about things or interpersonal right. things happen. And you can turn around and, and share them with me. So it's a good reminder. That's a beauty of the mother-daughter relationship right there. So (laughs) I'm only one type of personality. And I think other, actually, I'm sure you could say this from raising two other girls with other personalities, how different their bullying situations were and for years yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested from our listeners to know how you dealt with bullying and who were the people you went to or as a mom, like what? you did for your kids there. I think we'd all learn a lot from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did yeah. you help and what has them been the best asset it. now that you're older? Yeah. Share with us. That'd be really great yeah. to hear about it. High five, mom. High five, Ingrid. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. All words, hug and a high five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.